You're listening to the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I'm Adam Gobb. Today on the program, we're talking with Gaston County Assistant Tax Director, David Turbyville. David's going to be talking to us a little bit about property tax listings and the difference between the bills that you get in the mail and things that you may not think about that you may need to list with the tax department. We're going to be talking about why that's important for spreading out the burden of tax payment across all citizens in Gaston County and what you need to know for getting those payments ready. So we're here today on Savvy Citizen with David Turbyfield. David's the Assistant Tax Director over Personal Property and Tax Collections here with Gaston County. David, thanks so much for coming in and joining us today. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the difference between personal property and real property. We were talking before we, we started this, and maybe if you can just explain a little bit about what that is. Real property is defined and it's typically thought of as being land and improvements or fixtures attached to the land. In contrast, personal property by statute is defined as anything that's not real property. Sometimes the general understanding in the public when we say personal property, I tend to think it's property that they own themselves, whether it really be real or personal property because it's personal to them. So sometimes there's confusion even in terms at that level. So if I'm, if I'm a homeowner, real property is basically the land I own, the house that I own, and then if I'm going to go and add a garage or if I'm going to add um, a bedroom or something like that to the house, that's all talking about real property, right? That is correct. Okay. So personal property is stuff that, um, you know, if we did well financially this year and we're going to celebrate by going out and buying a boat, for example, or um, an ATV or something like that, those would be personal property type things, right? That is true, yes. Okay. So what are some of the things personal property-wise that maybe people don't realize that they need to is – it, is it a registration process with the tax department? How, how does that work? Well, basically, real property is uh, handled internally. Personal property is reported uh, to the tax office or should be reported to the tax office each January during their regular listing period. So, in effect, we're creating an inventory of taxable property as of January 1 of each year. Those items are valued and ultimately generate a tax bill that's due in September. So, any type of personal property that is not specifically excluded from taxation, either by the Constitution or by act of the legislature, and is used in production of income would included in the taxable item that should be reported. So off the top of your head, what are some of the things that are excluded from that? Uh, Household furnishings for the individual are no longer taxable, and that's been decades since that was passed into law. So if you have a personal uh, interior furniture, Mm -hmm. it would not be taxable. If you have a lawnmower that you use to mow your own yard or some type of small tractor like that that you use, just for your own uh, maintenance of your property, that item would not be taxable. Conversely, if that lawnmower or small tractor is used in the production of income, if you mow neighbors' yards and you generate income from that activity, then those items become taxable because they're income-producing personal property items and they are taxable. Interesting. I never knew that. So, okay, when I was a kid and I was making lanyards for my friends, well, I guess this doesn't apply because I would <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of another example. I know that's small peas, but <laughs> well, in, in in reality, folks may do all sorts of things to generate income. Sometimes they have nothing really 
more than a desk and a computer. Mm-hmm. And it's a challenge sometimes because it's a computer I bought. My kids play on it, but I also use it for sure. production of income. So those those types of things become a little gray area sometimes, but statutorily anything that's used in production of income is a taxable item. If it's used secondarily for some other purpose, then so be it. But if it is used to generate income, it is taxable. So who's ultimately in charge of figuring out if an item is taxable or not? Is it the county tax office or is it up to individuals? There are specific rules, but the listing is very important because it's it's generated first from the property so it's ultimately the property owner's responsibility to report items. We facilitate that by preparing a listing form or a listing abstract, it's called, in which property owners are to report their items. We have two different versions. One is uh, more for the personal property items, which might be a mobile home. It might be uh, an untagged vehicle, uh, a vehicle with an international registered plate, IRP vehicle. Uh, those sorts of things. And conversely, the other type of form is geared towards business property. So if someone has machine and equipment, office furniture and fixtures, or computer equipment, leasehold improvements, which are uh, items that someone might make that actually could be real property if it were owned by the owner, but since a tenant makes those improvements, they may capitalize those on their income tax and those would be considered personal property items that would also be listed. So we have two different forms depending upon the type of property that the individual is to report. When we have listings from previous years, we will carry forward the information and put that on the listing form that's mailed in late December, uh, right before the January listing date. So anything that's a, a vehicle is covered by state through NCDOT, right? So that's all that's all separately handled, right? Those uh, vehicles are classified as registered motor vehicles, okay. a special class of property that the legislature has deemed to be dealt with in a different manner. So you're not required to list those in January, but with the incorporation of the TAG and tax program, which is a statewide program, the registration in effect becomes a listing year those types of property and the taxes are included in registration fees in the annual invitation to renew, as they call it. <laughs> invitation. Right. <laughs> uh, seriously, that's what they call the uh, little form you get in the mail, the invitation to renew. I've never been asked to RSVP, so. Right. There's, there's nothing on there about, like, is it casual dress? Is it formal dress? Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> just send money. Oh, okay. Okay. What are some of the biggest things that you notice in terms of when you're trying to get people to list property? Is it an issue of people not being aware of what the requirements are? Um, you know, what are, what are some of the biggest hurdles that you face? I think that is a large, large part of the problem. Um, and we try to remedy that with the required notices that are posted in the various townships and in the newspaper. And we have information also on the county's website in the tax office. Uh, We have copies of forms. We have instructions, definitions, and various bits of information that help folks in that regard. Uh, And unfortunately, uh, the fact that we have pre-printed listing forms that we mail, uh, we do not get all those returned. And that kind of indicates that some folks just may not want to do that. Mm. Do people think it's just not a big enough deal that 
there's not going to be any sort of follow-up or any sort of consequences if they just ignore it? I'm not really sure uh, there is a immediate consequence. If we send a listing form that is not returned and we determine that it is a viable listing, then when we calculate the tax, there's a mandatory 10% late list penalty that's applied to that. So mm. if you have a tax of $100, you're going to have a $10 penalty associated with that. Sure. That information is printed on the tax bills, and you would expect that someone would realize that that, uh, you know, I could remedy that by doing uh, the proper listing, but people just, uh, perhaps they just take that as part of the way things are and just go with <laughs> it. I'm not really, I'm not really sure that's, that's a perplexing question is how do we get people to comply with their obligations, which in turn helps all of us by being more equitable and fair in the distribution of taxes. You know, right. Taxes are a given. We can't avoid them completely, but if everyone can contribute their fair share, then it's better for everyone. Absolutely. I, I would think that for folks that, you know, are maybe not paying it right away and then are dealing with the late fees, that those aren't things that are just kind of randomly assessed. That's all set by, like, state law, essentially, like what you guys have to go and do if people don't do the listing correctly, right? That is, yes, that is a state law that's applicable to all 100 counties. And uh, the, the processes may vary slightly from county to county, for example, uh, we mentioned real property. Some counties uh, still send a listing abstract to real property owners. Some counties do not. Mm. All counties send uh, or have available listing abstracts for personal property in some form or another. And even the state has a state, um, by the Department of Revenue, a statewide um, business property listing that's available on the website and on the DOR's website. So when should people be looking for these notices in the mail? When do they typically get sent out? They will be mailed probably around the last week of December. Okay. Uh, we are now uh, preparing the files, and we will have to proof the final forms. And if all goes well, they'll be dropped in the mail the last of December. January 1, of course, is a listing date. That would be the date, in theory, that we would take an inventory of every single taxable item in the county as of that one date. So we determine who owns the property, uh, we assign a value as of that date, and then of course in the process is complete that generates the tax bill for the year that's due on September 1. I'm reading through this property tax listing notice and I just read something that I don't think I've ever heard of before. Uh, can you explain what the homestead exclusion program is or it's, it's listed in the same sentence, Homestead Exclusion Program or Circuit Breaker Tax Deferral Programs. And this is under, it's a relief program, right? Correct. There are specific programs that are targeted to certain individuals. Is this a state or a federal or a, a Gasson County only program? This is, again, by state law. Basically, everything we do is governed by state law. Uh, each county is responsible for enforcing the laws as they're written so and they should be uniformly applied in theory but the exclusion um, is a preferential treatment in that particular instance you're referring to it's geared to those individuals who are 65 or older or those who are totally and permanently disabled is that the homestead it's typically called the homestead exclusion or it could be an exclusion for disabled veterans 
and the circuit breaker is another form of, uh, of preferential treatment, and it's based upon uh, a percentage of one's income as a cap on the amount of tax that might be due in a given year. These are, again, based upon uh, the owner's eligibility as in age and or disability and income. There's an income limitation for each. If I think that I qu might qualify for one of these, what do I need to do to, to get that benefit? As of January 1, you need to meet the, the minimum requirements, and there is an application process that is uh, available, and forms are available in the office and online. The deadline to make those filings in those particular instances, just for these three particular programs, is June 1st each year. So okay. I would just go to the Gaston County webpage and then look at the, at the tax division? Correct. All right, that's easy enough. And the tax department, you guys really, Chelsea, I think, kind of helped with this, but really redid the tax division's website um, this past summer and really made it a lot more user-friendly. And it's, I mean, kind of broken down into, um, you know, where you might have questions or like which, you know, which areas you want to uh, click on in terms of um, what information you're seeking out. So, I've, I mean, just going in myself and just kind of navigating through there, it's, it's really, I, I feel like it's been really helpful. That is true. It's a collaborative effort. There's been a lot of effort by many different folks to mm -hmm. streamline and modernize and and make it more visually appealing and useful. So it's, it's been a very good and beneficial uh, project. I really don't have a way to count how many folks actually uh, utilize it, but I'm hoping sure. a lot do. So I have a couple of kind of off-topic questions. Uh, I'm not a property owner. I don't own a home, but I'm kind of thinking maybe of buying a home sometime next year. And it just occurred to me, I don't think I've ever considered trying to look up what the property tax would be for a home that I would buy. Is there a way that you can do that when you're looking for homes to buy? We have a product uh, with our new tax system that was put in place in 2019. It's called, officially we call it Wedge, and it's labeled as Property Inquiry. And with that tool, you can look up property by the given parcel number, which is our numeric record number that we assign to all individual parcels or by person's, the owner's name or by the physical address if you have that. Once you launch that um, application, it's um, the most concise information that we have in one spot that will give you uh, ownership information, a history, uh, tax payment and tax bill history for a number of years, a listing of the uh, improvements picture of the improvements, the main structure, and a sketch of the main structure. That's incredible. Is that common? Uh, various counties have various websites, but um, this one is uh, was geared again and built from our new tax system, which presently only three counties in the state are utilizing, and I think others may be joining, but it's a new venture for the company, and this is one of the products they've um, developed with our assistance and direction. And I'm, I'm really pleased with uh, the information you can find. Otherwise, it's difficult to look in different sources, and some were not even available online prior to this application. Okay, so that's really cool that y'all helped develop this program with the, with the company you contracted with? Yeah, this was a, a product, like I say, we have, uh, they probably had a framework. The company had several clients in the Midwest. They 
wanted to come into North Carolina, and we were among the first two counties that uh, contracted with the company. And so they had an existing framework, but a lot of modification has taken place, and in some instances they've had to create uh, modules or applications that may not exist in uh, other states. This is amazing. Gaston County is on the cutting edge. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, so let's say I am on my phone scrolling through Zillow. You're saying that I can just copy the address and plug it into Wedge and find all of that information all at once? Yes. That is amazing. Uh, so do you, does the tax department ever do any like public outreach? Because you know, it, this affects every property owner in Gaston County. So in what ways are you able to talk with the people? We have used various and sundry um, means of communication. For example, in years past, we had put together a questionnaire asking specifics about property. You know, how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, uh, information that would be helpful to us to verify our records. So we uh, we did that sort of thing with the tax bill insert. Uh, one could send back uh, the information on a paper form that we provided, or we had a website where you could go in and look at the information that we were asking you to verify and point out any changes that you thought uh, would be applicable. And so we've tried to do things like that. Uh, we did not do that in 19. We did that, I believe, in, uh, for the 15 reappraisal. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, we go to speaking engagements. Uh, there'll be publications in the paper. Uh, next year will be, 22 will be a busy year because a lot of preparation that goes into uh, coming up with the final values for January 1, 23. So in the <clears throat> summer and early fall, uh, the tax office will prepare the schedule of values, which is the valuation standard for real property that would be affected January 1, 23. That schedule is prepared by the tax office, but presented to the uh, Board of County Commissioners. The commission actually finalizes and agrees to or changes that schedule. The schedule is then open for public uh, scrutiny and, and review and possible challenge if that were necessary. But once the final steps are completed and if there are any challenges or any changes to be made, that would be dealt with. But if not, it becomes the final valuation standard will be used to value all properties affected January 1, 23. Right. And when did you say when the next reappraisal is? When, when can people expect a reappraisal next? It, it will be effective January 1, 2023. 2023. All right. Mark your calendar. So you guys are already doing the work for the reappraisal as we speak, right? We, in effect, we never stop doing reappraisal work. It okay. seems it like is, so much work. It is. It's so much work, depending on what is done between reappraisal cycles. If you have to do or decide to do a what we call a full measure list where you attempt to visit every property with boots on the ground to verify measurements, you have to allow for time based upon the number of parcels, uh, the staff numbers, and you know all the calculations of more time, less people, more people, less time, or whatever the calculation may be. So that would in increase the amount of time that you would spend on completing the reappraisal. If you do more of a drive-by review, uh, that would happen more quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, if you incorporate some desktop reviews with uh, reviewing new aerial imagery, which we also incorporate in our process, uh, if that's all one were to do, then you could probably shorten the time 
basically when you complete a reappraisal, you have the whole year of the reappraisal dealing with appeals that may come about. And then next year you kind of catch your breath for a second and then you start back again in anticipation for the next reappraisal. Since we're on a four-year cycle, that compresses the amount of time you have to work. Uh, the, the law requires each county to reappraise at least once every eight years. Uh -huh. Most counties have shortened that cycle to four years. Is there a benefit to having a shorter cycle? It is much beneficial in, in, in regards to valuations. If you're in an up market, a real up market, the longer you wait, the yep. greater the distance between the true market value and the last value on the reappraisal. You're more of a, sh so more of a it, shock. It <laughs> and, and a lot of people, I've, I've been in this business forever, and a lot of people always think when you do a reappraisal, the value increases from the previous year to the current year. How can it go up 50% in one year? Mm -hmm. They don't realize that the values were set four or eight years ago, mm. and you're picking up that difference in value standard over a four or eight-year period, or whatever your reappraisal cycle might be. So it's, it's more, more of a stair step. Yeah, more of a stair step than a, a sliding scale. <laughs> yeah, that's one, of the, that's one of the things in regards to real property and personal property. And in my opinion, one of the weak points of North Carolina property tax, which in my opinion is one of the best in the nation, one of the weak weaknesses, if there is one, and it's understandable, is that personal property and public service property and registered motor vehicles are valued at market value each and every year. Mm -hmm. In effect, we do a reappraisal on personal property or the state does the same thing for the public service property mm -hmm. and registered motor vehicles on January 1 of each year. Real property, the standard is market value of the reappraisal year, and in subsequent years, those values are frozen. So right. if the market increases, it shifts the burden if you will, to the personal property as a percentage of the tax base and value. When you do the reappraisal, then everything comes back up to market value and all classes are, again, in line with the market standard. And when you increase the values like that, there's a, a possibility and uh, that the rate would come down, which would lessen the amount of tax on the personal property, mm. reshifting the burden a bit. And we've seen that in years past during reappraisal years where your your property appraises for more money and so you're going to owe more taxes, but then sometimes the board will lower the tax rate in the same year that the reappraisal does. And obviously, you know, that's always dependent upon the board and what the board decides to do, but historically that has happened in the past. Well, I mean, if you're just basing, uh, if you just do it simply on math, it, it works out that way. Right. Uh, because as you... There's a simple formula, the revenue uh, and the tax rate and the valuation. It's like a triangle uh, <laughs> definition of how it works. But if you know how much revenue you need and the values increase and the revenue stays the same, then the rate would go down. Mm -hmm. And conversely, if everything stays the same, you need more revenue and the values don't change, then the rate has to go up. So right. it's just a mathematical equation at, at that level. Exactly. So, I mean, obviously you guys are going to be busy in 2022 where you're, you're really getting into the, the nitty-gritty of doing um, the reevaluation and the reappraisals. Um, but this particular time of year, any year, is busy for you guys because you're finishing up the work on getting the notices out for, for personal property. And then 
Um, it's only a couple weeks away from early January where there's that deadline for people to pay their, their tax bills before there starts to be that penalty, right? That is true. Uh, December uh, is busy for personal property in preparation. January is typically the month that taxpayers are to list. And I will point out that in certain instances, the listing period, which is typically the month of January, may be extended on an individual case-by-case basis up until maximum of April 15. Okay. Uh, that's typically uh, something that businesses will request because they're working on getting their information in coordination with their income tax filing. But basically, January is the busy, busy time when all individual personal property uh, is to be listed and should be. Again, businesses list in January, but they may list in February or March or up to the middle of April. Uh, and also the collections become busy around Christmas up through January 6th, sure. uh, January 5th being the deadline to pay before interest. So a lot of folks make a mad dash at the end of the year to make a payment before interest begins. Then after uh, the due date of January 6th, about a month and a half later, delinquent notices go out for those folks who have not paid those taxes yet. Okay. And that happens prior to the actual publication of uh, delinquent taxes in the newspaper, which happens around March, typically. So the first part of the year is busy for that section of the office, but in, in like fashion, even in non-reappraisal years, there's still new construction and changes that happen annually. Those uh, changes have to be revalued and notices are mailed to property owners. So they, they may send out 5,000, may send out 10,000 valuation notices where people have made those additions to the houses. Land has been subdivided. Uh, and so that is work that also happens during that time frame. And if I remember correctly, the, the tax collection rate is somewhere near, what, 98.5%? or Close to 99, which, okay. which is excellent. In and of itself, and con- considering the pandemic, I think I think yeah. the collection folks have done a marvelous job with all the uh, you know, with the drive-through uh, at the bank locations being mm-hmm. uh, the vehicle of most communication with the public since we haven't been fully open. So I'm 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 beyond amazed really that things have worked as well as they have, mm-hmm. and uh, just a, a tribute to the folks in the collections division, hard work that they do. I know when we talked to Cecil about the the changeover, because initially there was the, the bank that the um, collections division was renting, and now the, the purchase of the permanent location that had this drive-through option, um, you know, he was saying that in going to different conferences, there was a lot of feedback from other, you know, tax collectors um, throughout different states across the country that were going, wow, that's, that's kind of outside the box. That's a really good idea. So it sounds like, you know, this has been something that's been really successful and maybe other folks or or other government entities are looking to maybe um, do the same thing. Right. Uh, Actually, we had uh, some of our uh, fellow tax professionals from Chatham County visit us yesterday. Oh, wow. And they were looking at our tax system. So we had the different divisions uh, present information, answer questions for them and, and discussing about our bank building that we had just recently acquired and used and I believe Chatham County may have have or is contemplating doing the same thing. So I think it's a very good approach. Uh, I think I think the taxpayers uh, I think they like it pretty well. 
Uh, it's been a bit of a challenge not knowing where to go sometimes, or we used to be over there, now we're over here. Sure. But I think once we get through that initial uh, learning stage of where to go, and mm -hmm. people will find it even more convenient. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. Anything else about kind of the personal property listings that you wanted to mention that we that we didn't ask about? It's just really important uh, that property owners realize that they have a legal obligation. There are consequences for the failure to list, and uh, that would be as a minimum of the 10% late list penalty. Uh, there is also a provision if property owners have failed to list repeatedly, we can and are required to do what we call a discovery. And a discovery is a situation where a property has not been listed, a property has been reported at a substantial understatement of value, which may happen on typically on businesses and where they report their assets, or if a property has been given or granted an exclusion or an exemption when it did not qualify. And by law, if we find that situation, we can create a tax bill for the current year and up to five prior years. Each of those are subject to penalties, and the penalty compounds each year. So you're looking at a 10% for the first year, a 20% penalty, all the way up to a 60% penalty. Oh, wow. oh. And lastly, uh, and something that uh, is not uh, necessarily publicized or, or stressed, but is actually a misdemeanor for the willful failure to list. Fact that you don't list can be presumed to be willful, mm. and uh, it is a, I believe, a class two misdemeanor, and the corresponding penalty for that if the county were to choose to uh, pursue that. So it is really important that the taxpayer understand and comply with their legal obligation. It's good for the county because it allows us to be sure that we have the most complete and accurate tax base. And when the values are reported, then that puts less stress on the rate. Uh, if your values aren't reported and you still need income, the only option is to raise the rate. Those people who do comply then are basically, in effect, penalized. Right. So we would just like to be sure that everyone understands the importance of listing, listing on time, and listing as accurately as possible. And again, in the discovery realm, we are required to review uh, listings and other information to be sure as best we can that properties are listed. And one of the things that we do, uh, we contract with a couple of uh, contract audit firms that will review uh, business listings. The high, high value business is basically what we focus on there because this is getting into accounting records and verifying that what the accounting records indicate should be listed, has been listed. And if we find situations where they uh, did not fully list as according to value, then those are still subject to discovery and the appropriate penalties. That is very important. <laughs> I'm glad that uh, I had a chance to talk with you before I actually began buying a house because this is all <laughs> very important information. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a lot to owning property. Uh, often say sometimes maybe the cowboys had a good idea of just having a horse and a saddle and, <laughs> and saddlebags and you, right. know, you have little to, little to care about and be concerned about. But 
owning property does have obligations and responsibilities. Mm -hmm. and if everyone has a better understanding of that, and I'm really hopeful that it's just that folks really don't understand or appreciate mm -hmm. the importance of that. And if they're made aware of it, there will be greater compliance, which makes everything easier for everybody. Mm -hmm. Well, since we've got a 98, almost 99% collection rate, right? That's that's a good sign that, that we're doing a pretty good job in Gaston County of, uh, you know, doing what the doing what's right and uh, paying taxes, uh, not <laughs> willfully, willfully <laughs> um, declining to to um, respond to that RSVP invitation to pay taxes, or <laughs> right. or that's the DMV that invites people, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it's really, I mean, if you think about it, and when we talk to people a lot of time, you know, just to get an idea, if you drive up and down the road, basically everything you see, and even things inside buildings you don't see, there's a good chance that about anything you see is taxable. Mm. And you know, when you start looking at it from that standpoint, we drive up and down the road. Was I wonder if we have this new business listed or mm. I wonder if those assets are accounted for properly. So mm -hmm. I mean, it, anything you look at basically with a few exceptions would be taxable. You know, of course, if it's a church building or a government building, those by, by law are not taxable, but anything that's individually owned, probably there's a good chance that it could be taxable and should be reported one, one way or well, David, thank you so much for, for coming in, for talking with us. Uh, we know that, uh, as we mentioned, it's a busy time of year for you guys, so we, we really appreciate your time. Yeah, Great. thank you so thank much. You.